In this episode, we have one of our sponsors, Grace Marriage, who does a workshop on what they are all about and how churches can utilize their content. We hope this episode helps you in your ministry and gives you good direction on marriage material that you can take back and use with your church. My name is Brian Bolton. I'm actually a pastor at Centerpoint Christian Church in Lexington. Planted the church almost 19 years ago, and we continue to minister there. Have nearly 30 years of ministry involvement and experience from being a youth minister and an outreach minister. Serving with Grace Marriage is just as a helper, helping them spread their ministry and what they're doing. In the back back there, Kurt, if you'll wave back there. Some of you guys met Kurt yesterday at our breakout. Kurt Weeble. Wibble. I said it right? Weeble. Weeble. Kurt, I'm a Bible, Weible, Weeble. I'm going to call it all kinds of things. Kurt uh, serves with Grace Marriage, but uh, to make money, he's a consultant and helps businesses grow. And so uh, Grace Marriage is a growing ministry and it's expanding. And they just tapped some of our shoulders that are involved with Grace Marriage and said, Would you help? They're actually getting ready to launch their first book. You can pre order today. Um, and you can find that and all the information down at our booth, but they're working on that, and it's so it's like right there. And so some of the key leaders there, Brad Rhodes, who's the founder of Grace Marriage, was not able to be here for this uh, for this renew. They hope to come in the future. I assume that you are here today because you want to either figure out marriage to help out some friends, maybe figure out marriage to help yourself, or figure out how can we actually do this. Because it's one of the biggest challenges in the church world. How do we help marriages to be healthy and to be whole? Uh, Let me pray, and then we'll spend some time together. We'll have time for some Q&A and just some involvement as well after we share this morning. Father, we thank You for this day. God, I just pray that by the power of Your Spirit, You will guide our conversation, our time together. Father, I believe that uh, it is not by accident we are here today. It's not by accident we've chosen to be here at Renew. It's not by accident that we are sitting in this room talking about this topic of marriage. And so I just ask that your Spirit would speak to us. Your Spirit would guide us, guide our conversation, guide our time, guide our hearts, our minds. And then, Lord, as they are talking about during the sessions there, help us to walk away and know, what, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with the information I hear? Um, how, how do I carry this forward? Father, we just uh, pray that you do a work in this room. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were in our session last night, some of you heard this story. Uh, sorry if you're hearing the repeat of it. About five years ago, almost six years ago now, I was approached uh, by a previous elder, elder of ours. His name was Jim Aquisto, and he served in our church in the early days of our church plant. And he had since moved away to Louisville, and he called me up and said, Brian, I need you to meet my friend Brad Rhodes and uh, hear about his ministry. And I was like, Jim, I don't really want to hear about his ministry. I don't have time. We as lead pastors get sold often. We get people wanting us to hear this ministry, hear that ministry, hear this mission group, that mission group, and it gets tired and can consume your time. But he kind of bent my arm and said, Brian, you got to trust me. You want to hear about what they're doing. And one of our prayers for years was, how can we do better about um, marriage. How can we help marriage? And so Brad was coming to town, and Brad came over to the church, and we sat down, and Brad used to be a lawyer. And so Brad looked at me kind of as a, as a lawyer would and starts drilling me with questions. 
And I, and I didn't know him very well. I hadn't met him once or twice before, but he didn't beat around the bush. And he looked at me and he said, Brian, let me ask you something. Uh, what are you guys doing for marriage ministry? I said, well, we have a class every now and then. We, we go to a conference every now and then. Uh, we do some pre-marriage stuff and we help couples when they're in trouble. We'll try to get them to counseling or something. He said, well, let me ask you another question. He said, how much money are you spilling on, ch- on children's ministry a year? At that time, I said, I don't know, around six to $8,000 was the budget for children's ministry. He said, what are you spending on student ministry? I said, I don't know, it's around $8,000, maybe close to $10,000 student ministry. He said, and how much are you putting in your marriage ministry? Um, Brad, I'm not sure if there's a line item in our budget for marriage <laughs> ministry, really. He said, he said, that's the problem with the church in America. He said, we're doing things all backward. He said, we're saying, well, let's do children's ministry, let's do student ministry, and we're forgetting about marriage ministry. He said, I'm not telling you to stop your children's ministry. I'm not telling you to stop your student ministry. But if churches in America don't wake up and start doing some of the marriage ministry, we will never win the battle. We'll never win the war that we're in. And so what I've learned in the last five years is, one, marriage ministry does not take as much money as student ministry or children's ministry. But you've got to budget the time for it. And if you don't budget the time and the effort and put it into strategy, it'll never happen. Because children's ministry, to make things fun and, and uh, engaging in student ministry, it takes expenses. nice about marriage ministry is most adults will put the money into it themselves because they'll pay for whatever you put before them if it's going to really be beneficial to their lives and make a difference. But we had a budget time. and had to get a strategy going. And so Brad challenged me with that. And five years ago, I said, okay, Brad, we'll be a guinea pig. I said, we'll be one of your churches to bring grace marriage. And now we haven't looked back. And grace marriage is part of our ministry. And I'm going to talk about grace marriage near the end of this. But I want to talk more today about some, some thinking, theology, philosophy, some ideas that I've had to adapt in my mind and my heart to really get after this and say marriage has got to be a top priority. All of us are familiar with, if you're married, you've said these words. If you're a preacher, you've stood before and had people repeat, for better or for worse for richer, for poorer, and sickness and health, until death do us part. Many have said that. Someone once said, today people get married for better or for worse, but not for long. (laughs) And it's so true, isn't it? Many times we make commitments and we make these proclamations, but how much do we really mean it? How much do we really own it? So, uh, Kurt shared some of these stats last night, but these, these are just a few of the stats that will catch your attention. 54% of children born in the U.S. will reach their 17th birthday without a married mom or dad. 54%, and you start to wonder, why is our culture the way it is? Since the 1960s, there's been a 900% increase in cohabitation. 900% increase. Um, if you miss some of these stats, we're going to give you a little flyer on your way out. You'll go back through and you can kind of get it and have it. I learned this one from Kurt. Grade divorce, couples 50 and older, doubled. So you get past the age of 50, doubled from 1990 to 2010. So a lot of those are marriages that have been married for 25 or 30 years. That divorce rate has skyrocketed. Three out of four military marriages end in divorce. Anybody here serve in military sometime? You may have seen it. You may know some friends. You're like, yeah, that's a stressful situation and it attacks 
marriages. We live in a consumer culture. We have expectations. And if those expectations are not met, we discard whatever we are disappointed with to get the new one. Today, matter of fact, things are made to be thrown away. Your washer or dryer dies, they almost say, don't call the repair person, just trash it. Your refrigerator, just get rid of it. Your, so many things are that way, which creeps then into our culture and our mindset about marriage. Well, it's not working. Let me just throw it away. Let me just get rid of it. It's moved in our marriages. Unfortunately, the church often doesn't look much better. The stats will show you that 50% of marriages in the church are failing and they're falling apart. And then another 40 to 50%, even though they're existing, they don't look so appealing. So why would anybody want to get married? And it makes sense why the 900% increase in cohabitation has happened. The church, though, should have the answer, right? I mean, we should have the answer. We should be able to look at our society and say, yes, our society is messed up, but let us show you a new way. Let us show you a better way. But here's what the stats will tell you. 72% of churches lack any substantive um, marriage ministry or discipleship in the church towards just marriage. 72%. Now, in Lexington, Kentucky, there's about 300 churches for 350,000 people. That means that out of 300 churches, about uh, 200 plus 200 and close to 40 churches don't have a substantial marriage ministry? Do we care about marriage? Do we care about actually winning the battle? 80% of churches do not spend any money on marriage ministry. 80%. 8 out of 10. I mean, stop and think about your church and go, wow, how much money do we actually spend to help marriages get better? Most of the dollars that we were spending prior to grace marriage was for crisis situations. People come to me, I do a little bit of counseling with them. This is way beyond my abilities, way beyond my skills. We'll send you to a counselor and we'll help you pay for some of it. And usually by the time they get to that, the chances are they're four or five years too far behind and it doesn't work. So um, the problem is there's a gap. This is what most churches do. Premarital counseling. I do premarital counseling. I got certified to do premarriage counseling. I like what I do for premarriage counseling. I spend six to eight sessions with a couple before they get married. And they won't, I won't do their wedding unless they agree to do that. I think it's, we need that. But then this happens, this misses, and so we end up getting to the, the crisis. There used to be a joke around our church. It used to drive me crazy, and then I realized it's not really my fault. The joke was, don't go to Brian if you have a marriage problems, you end up getting a divorce. And I've been there for 19 years, so yeah, you know what? There's truth in that. Because the time they got to me, the noose was around the neck of the marriage, and they already had one foot hanging off the platform. They're ready to end it, and they're thinking, we'll go to the preacher, last chance, maybe he can do something. Yeah, probably not. Because they should have come probably four, five, six years ago. But the problem is, there's nothing here. Yeah, we'd have a class every now and then. We'd have a conference we'd offer every now and then. We have a video Bible study every now and then. We'd say, let's go to this marriage thing every now and then. But what happens is that you go to it or you sit through it. It feels good. Maybe it does good for a little while. But what happens? Starts to die off, starts to die off, starts to die off. And we realize that's not working. And so that's what started to change. And we got to fill this gap. We must reimagine marriage ministry we got to learn how to empower husbands and learn how to empower wives to build marriages that will reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. At the core, 
I love it they were talking about this so much at Renew, and today you heard it and you're going to hear it over and over again. The Holy Spirit is the one who will equip us to live grace-filled marriages. The Holy Spirit's going to do that work. And when couples intentionally learn to invest the time, invest the energy, and the creativity in their marriage based upon the Holy Spirit, based on a theology of grace, we can restore and we can actually help marriages avoid getting to the crisis. We must, I think, launch effective and ongoing marriage ministries that will make a generational impact. Because we're talking about grandkids and great-grandkids. I have my first grandchild on the way, due in July. We're going to go see them tomorrow. I want that grandchild to know what a whole marriage is and what a God-centered marriage is and what a grace-filled marriage is. So it starts with us, the church. So how do we then disciple marriages? I want to walk through just kind of a biblical thinking before we get into some nuts and bolts about what this looks like. And quite honestly, this is just 30 years of ministry experience of what I've walked through. And so let me ask you today to think about this when you think about marriage what is the goal of marriage? A lot of times we say, well, we want to have a happy marriage. We want to have a healthy marriage. We want to be good to one another. You know, we want success within our marriage. And while some of those things may be goals, I want to have kids, and they may be good goals, they're not the goal. We miss what the goal is. And I think we miss this goal in all areas of life. We forget that Jesus gave us the goal. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You say, wait a minute, that's the marriage goal? Absolutely. I believe that God gave us two entities to learn how to practice this goal. He gave us the marriage, the family unit, to learn how to love God and how to love your neighbor, and He gave us the church. In the church, what do we do? We come together to study God's Word, to worship, to learn to love God together. And then if you're in a church for any length of time, you realize people are difficult, right? And here, it's not too hard. Okay, I don't know you. I can sit and hear a talk, but all of a sudden, we're serving in a ministry together. We're on a worship team together. We're doing children's ministry together. And she said she did. She, uh, he said he did. And so in the church, we're learning okay, we learn to love God, but sometimes we have differences. And so we learn to love one another by working through that together. And so I call the church the science lab of where we learn to le- practice out these two great commands. The, church, the marriage is also. We come together... And together, if we're practicing the Scriptures, we're learning how to love God together. The husband's helping the wife, and the wife's helping the husband, and we're learning to love God. And at the same time, we're also neighbors. My wife is sitting back there. Uh, her knee is, her leg is up, had knee replacement 10 weeks ago, 12 weeks ago, something like that. And so she's hanging in the back. We've been married for 29 years. Trust me, it's been perfect, except for I'm in the marriage. <laughs> There's been rough spots. And if anyone's been married for any length, you know that. You're like, okay, it's tough, isn't it? That's the truth of the matter, is that marriage is hard. And so you're learning, how do I love my spouse, and how do I learn to love my neighbor? Let me see, do we have any married couples in here? You're a married couple. You all can be volunteers for me. Set your stuff down for a second. Come on up here. Come on up here. We'll have a little bit of fun. All right, what's your name? Will. Will, good to meet you. Will, go stand right over there. Dana. Dana, Dana, you come stand right over here. How long y'all been married? 16. Almost 16. He forgot. 16 he forgot. He pointed to you. He forgot. Okay, 16 years. Here's what I've seen in the life of, of couples coming together. Okay, where'd y'all meet? Church? Youth group. Youth group. 
Absolutely. Oh, that's special. Just in the nursery. In the nursery. Oh, okay. That's enough. We don't want to stop any further. Uh, we have a rule at our church, like, there's no youth group dating. It causes problems. No, you meet each other, right? And what happens is, well, I kind of like you, you kind of like me. And you say, you know what? Hey, I want to take you on a date and take a step, just one step. One I want to take you on a date. We take a, you want to go on a date with him? Yeah, let's go on a date. Okay, he buys her some flowers. You get a little bit closer. Okay, she said, I like those flowers. Eventually, he gets down on a knee and asks her to get married, right? Can you do that? No, 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 don't do that. If the room was bigger, we could, we could carry this out. Eventually, you get married, but eventually, what happens in a marriage many times is this wall gets built like this. Kids. Kids. That can be the wall. That could be the wall. We the, got five of them. The whole oh, five of them. <laughs> Give me more chairs. <laughs> the wall's real big. The, uh, you know, the, the wall can happen. You have an argument. Okay. The wall happens. And all of a sudden you're like, I want to get close to you, but there's this wall between us mm-hmm. and it's really difficult and it's really challenging, but this wall is happening. And when you hit your head on a wall long enough, what happens is you say, forget this. I want to go over here and I'll live in my corner. And she says, forget this. I'll go live in my corner. And the wall stays there. And if I walk into that wall and I just keep banging my head, eventually anyone who's smart, you go, I'm going to stop. I got to get away from that. And that's what happens when we end up going to divorce because the world teaches us to pursue this way, pursue each other by doing kind things, saying kind things. But then sometimes sin enters in. And if we live in a performance-based marriage instead of a grace-based marriage, well, then the wall gets bigger and we go back to our corners. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. In a grace-based marriage, you say, okay, I'm going to learn how to forgive sin, and I'm going to pursue. Now, we can't have you climb, but if this is a triangle, let's say that light's the top of the triangle, and the light represents God, you say, I'm going to pursue God, and I'm going to learn to love God, and you encourage her to love God, what happens? You can overcome what? The wall. But for many times, we say, well, you got to learn how to fix one or go to counseling, do this, do dates, do this. I'm not saying that stuff's bad. It may be part of it. But we got to start teaching people how do we pursue God so that grace enters into the marriage. As we pursue God, also overcome the, challenge, the challenges and the sin and the struggles. And all of a sudden, what happens, you're close together. Now, kind of just because you, you love her so much, you're like, oh, yeah, I got so close. You know, you kind of messed up my illustration. So go ahead and be seated. Thank you. Thank you. So the goal is that we get couples working towards and realizing my my goal is to love God. Now, we could go on a whole parenting thing too. Our goal, raising three children, we have a 23-year-old, 22-year-old, and a daughter getting ready to turn 21. Our goal was never college. It was never be a doctor. It was never be anything other than you love God. We stand here today, knock on wood, Saying thank you, Jesus, because all three of our kids are in ministry and all three of our kids are pursuing Jesus. Now, I don't know how, besides saying, God, you did it, because we kept holding, you keep loving God, you keep loving God, you keep loving God. That's the goal. You love God. And our marriages, that's the goal. Love God, love your neighbor. Keep that mindset, a grace based marriage can happen. Now, the challenge is this <clears throat> the challenge is we have a thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The evil one. We're all familiar with the evil one. They were talking about this morning that the evil one wants to destroy the marriage. And we're seeing it on every angle. I don't have to give you stats. I don't have to show you all that anymore. You've already heard some, some stats. You see it every time you turn on TV. 
You see it with gender issues. You see it with cohabitation is okay. You see it with go have sex before marriage. Go try out your partners. You see it in all kinds of ways. Like, I'm going to destroy this marriage. I want to get you fighting in your marriage. Because the evil one does not want healthy marriages. The evil one, if he can destroy marriage, he'll destroy the church. He can destroy marriages, he destroys schools. He destroy marriages, he destroys cities. I mean, as the marriage goes, so our society goes. And we have to learn as a society, especially as a church, i got to take this back. We can't let have Satan have any more foothold. We can't let him be in charge anymore. And, and he is working constantly. In John 10, 10, it says that. And then Ephesians 5, I, I don't have time. I'd love to walk through all of Ephesians 5 and chapter 6, but you know the passage. Ephesians 5, what it's about? It's about wives and husbands. It's about the relationship. Whenever I do pre-marriage counseling, I tell a couple, I'm going to show you the divorce-proof passage. If we live out Ephesians 5, you can divorce-proof a, a, a marriage. It's hard to live it out because the evil one's at work. Ephesians chapter 6, early on, parents and children, it's all about relationships. Parents and children. Ephesians chapter 6, 5 through 9, it's all about the slaves and the master. What it's about? It's about a relationship. All three of those situations are all about relationship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's relationship. Love your neighbor as yourself. Relationship. Ephesians 5, Paul goes in and says, let me show you relationships that are supposed to be loving one to another. And then... Look at what Paul says with that. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his mighty might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil's what? The devil's schemes. He has plans. He has schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. In other words, the evil one, Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but he doesn't just come to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes with plans and schemes. And what he wants you to do, is he wants to get you fighting and going, you said you did. Point the finger. He gets moms and dads fighting with their kids. He gets husbands and wives fighting with one another. So then when there's fighting going on, how effective are you to be a witness for the gospel? Pretty much ineffective. And he says, well, and we start thinking, she did, she said, she's awful, I hate her, I can't stand her. I, and every time we do, uh, as we show you Grace Marriage in a moment, or every time it seems like you start working, I'm, I'm coming to this conference this week, I know I'm going to be talking about marriage, what's happening? The other day my phone's blowing up with a couple because their marriage is falling apart. Every time. And you're like, Satan knows, oh, you're going to step into this? i got to get you distracted. And marriage is falling apart every single time because that's a major battleground. Because if he can destroy the marriage... He'll destroy the kids. But what do we start to do? We start to look at it and go, oh, we're fighting with one another, and so I don't like her. He has plans. Here's the good news. The good news is we have help. Who, who, who do we have help by? Who's the helper? The Holy Spirit's our helper. And, and I'm just showing you some passages you're already familiar with. I love in Acts chapter 2, the Word of God is preached by a bold Peter in a fierce crowd. At the end, they say, well, what must we do to be saved? What does Peter tell them? Repent and be baptized, every one in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a special gift. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. So when you come to Christ, you repent, you believe in Jesus, you're baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit. That promise was for then and for now. 
And that's why salvation is so important. We have to teach people what you're talking about today. I love, I love how they're emphasizing, like, okay, this is, this is total life change. You're dying to old life. You're coming, rising anew. And that was already just taught in that, in that first session that when we take couples, you've got to know Jesus as your savior. And when they become, become a Christian, Jesus as your savior, listen, you are not left alone. You have the Holy Spirit now walking with you to help you in this battle. And I love what Jesus says in John 14 when he's with his disciples. Um, you remember just before he's going to die and before he's going to go on then to, to heaven, he says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will what? Will do what? I can't hear you. To teach you all things. All things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, many times when we think about the Holy Spirit will teach me all things. For too long, I think the church has applied that passage to just, well, if you're teaching the Bible, he'll show you how to teach the Bible. Or if you're preaching, he'll show you how to, how to preach. No, I believe when it says teach you all things, he means all things. The Holy Spirit will teach us how to be a mom or how to be a dad. The Holy Spirit will teach us how to be a loving husband or how to be a loving wife. The Holy Spirit will teach us how to forgive when we've been wrong. The Holy Spirit will teach us, will show us all things. But for too long, we've said, hey, why don't you just do this kind of step and do this kind of step? Maybe take on some more dates, have some more conversations, go to some count. No, we need the Holy Spirit to show us all things. I didn't understand that for, for a long time in my marriage. And uh, now the last 10 years has been fabulous. But there's times when I was just a jerk. And I started praying, Lord, what am I supposed to do? How do, I, how do I be more kind to my wife? You know what the Holy Spirit would say? Pick up your socks off the floor. Wash the dishes. Shut your mouth and don't complain because she didn't get something done. Right here, a note of encouragement. I started asking, Holy Spirit, what does my wife need? Holy Spirit, how can I love her? And you start seeing it happen in your own life. And uh, He then changes you and guide your marriage. We got to start teaching couples this. We got to start teaching them continually like, okay, you have a purpose, there is a challenge, but you have a helper. And that helper will guide your marriage, will help you in this process. So if we're going to disciple marriages, we must have an ongoing process. Not just a pre-marriage. Do we need that? Absolutely. I would never have a couple get married without going through pre-marriage. There's no way. Matter of fact, my preference is I'd rather walk with couples and do pre-marriage and say, let someone else do your wedding. Because weddings are kind of a pain. They're, they're just difficult. You're dealing with all kinds of crazy people, especially <laughs> brides and moms, you know? I'd like, let me just do your pre-marriage and get someone else. Go to the judge. I don't care. <laughs> um, but we got to do pre-marriage. Do we still need a periodic class and conference? Absolutely, because we need to kind of perk their heart and go, okay, this is good, but then we got to say, now what? Now what are you going to do with this? And so we have to be prepared. And, and at times, you're still going to have to do crisis. I like to say we get avoided 100%, but we're not because people are people and they're not going to participate and they're, or they're not going to put to practice. Ben Franklin said this. Ben, ben Franklin said, if you fail to plan, you are planning fail. So what we do is we start to realize I am in a battle with the evil one. I'm in a battle with Satan. I'm in battle with, 
with the evil forces, and the Scripture just tells us He has schemes. If He has plans, then should we not the church have plans? I mean, if, if He has great plans and He says, I come to kill, steal, He doesn't say it. Jesus tells us He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't just wake up and go, what am I going to do today? He's working his plans and they're, and they're coming to fruition all around us. And that's why the, that book, Resilient, oh, I can't wait to read that book because we're seeing it unfold right before our eyes, minute by minute now. It's just like the snowball rolling down the hill and his plans are very active while we, the church, are going, still, what's going to wake us up? How many more marriages have to fail before we say, I'm going to do something? This is going to change at least in my, in my realm where, where I can make a difference. And I said, I can't change every church in the city of Lexington, but I can influence and change Centerpoint Christian Church. And so we said, we're going to do something, and we're going to figure out the plan. And thank you, Jesus, that we got introduced to Grace Marriage. Uh, the vision is partnering together that we can shift couples from being a performance-based marriage to having a grace-based marriage. We can, we can actually close that ministry, that marriage gap that we're talking about, and we can disciple and we can shepherd marriages and we can reduce the crisis marriage counseling and hopefully reduce uh, the divorce rate. We have about 120 churches right now participating in the plan at Grace Marriage. I'm going to show you the plan. About 120. Could you imagine though, if we had 1,000 churches? 5,000 churches. I say, you know what? We're going after marriage and we start turning this thing. And I believe Grace Marriage has it. That's why this year when Brad Rhodes, who's the director of Grace Marriage, said to me, Brian, would you come on board and help us? I said, Brad, I love preaching. I love teaching what I'm doing. He said, I'm not asking you to quit anything you're doing. i just asking you as a pastor, would you speak to other pastors? Would you do some conferences like this for me? Be a mouthpiece and help us because they, they have the tools and a process now in place that every church could have a plan and have a plan to fight against Satan in these schemes. So I want to show you their plan. They have three options on the plan. This is where they started at. Grace Marriage meets quarterly for four hours on this side over here. That used to be six hours. They've learned some things and made some adjustments. So why, why do they meet quarterly? Brad was a lawyer, um, him and his brother, having a good business in Owensboro, Kentucky. Going well, but they said, we want to do more. We've got to help more clients, got to help more people. How are we going to do this? So they went to... Um, counseling or coaching for business. And they would go up to Chicago once a quarter and get professional business coaching. So once a quarter, they'd pull out of the, rate, the, the rat race of being lawyers and go and sit down and go, how's business? How can we get better? And their business grew. They added lawyers, uh, five, six, seven lawyers. They added administrative help. Their, their business multiplied and the money they were bringing in. At the same time, Brad's teaching some marriage stuff at his church. And he's like, why can't we take what we're doing with our business and make it happen for the marriage? And so Brad started in his church in Owensboro, Grace Marriage, and started working with couples and said, let's work on this once a quarter. Why once a quarter? How many of you drive a car? Most of us. How many of you have your oil changed? How often? About once a quarter. Three to 5,000 miles, you change your oil. What happens if you don't change your oil in your car? Not good news, right? Car's going to die. You have to change oil. Every now and then you have to rotate your tires. About every 10,000 miles, rotate tires. How many people like to garden? Anybody here like to garden? Just two of us? I like to garden. I love to mess out in the garden. I love to get dirty. But you know what I have to do? I have to pull the weeds. 
And I love using weed killer because I don't like to get down on the ground, but I still have to pull the weeds. You still have to get down, you have to pull the weeds. Every now and then you have to take a flower and go, that flower's not doing really good right there. And I pick it up and I dig it out and I put it over here and go, wow, it's taking off because I moved it from one spot to another spot. It needed more sun, the soil wasn't right, needed some more watering, whatever it is. It takes care. You know what? Our marriages take care and take time. And what Brad started to see is, wow, this is making our law business thrive. Let's start doing this with marriages. You know what they started seeing marriages do? They started thriving. Once a quarter, they got marriages, couples that say, I'm going to pull out of the rat race of chasing five kids. Bless your heart, Will. Well, you really need this. Bless my heart. Yeah. Bless her. Both of you, right? I'm going to quit chasing. I'm going to pull out for for one day. Uh, I got to get away from the job. I got to get away from the financial stress, taking care of the parents. I got to step away. And for me and my wife to sit down and look at each other eye and eye and go, how's our marriage? But you know what? If her and I just did that, we'd probably end up in an argument within about 30 minutes. So we usually need help. Everybody needs some help. We need someone to guide you with some conversation. So what we do in Grace Marriage, the core of it is once a quarter, come together with 8 to 12 other couples. You sit together in a room. You feed them well. Have some good snacks. Maybe you have some lunch. And you sit down with a guidebook. Can I have that guidebook there? Every couple would get a guidebook, something like this. Some of this is going to be changing here in a couple months on just how they're presenting things. Get a guidebook like this with lessons that are put out. They have seven years now worth of curriculum like this. And you sit down with a trained facilitator and you work through lesson by lesson by lesson. This one's called uh, an intoxicating love. And you spend some time in a lesson. What happens is in the group is you might do some reading with the lesson, different ways to do the reading, rather you do it individually or together. Then there's some questions of reflection and thinking, sometimes by yourself. And then you get together with your spouse and say, hey, okay, for the next 20 minutes, go talk about that topic. Sometimes you get together with two or three other guys. Sometimes you get together with two or three other ladies. Hey, let's talk about this topic. But you spend four hours being guided through the entire day of how to develop a Christ-centered, grace-based marriage. All, all based on the Holy Spirit's guidance. Why? Because if I just told you, go let the Holy Spirit guide your life today and go let the Holy Spirit go guide your marriage today, you may be nodding your heads and going, yes, I want to do that. And you walk out and you go, how do I do that? It takes training. I played basketball growing up. Spent a lot of times at camps, a lot of times in a basketball court. What do I do? Practice, 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 practice. The more you practice, the better you got. So grace marriage is not meant to be a program. Some people, because our churches, churches are program-driven, Oh, we had that program. I participated in the program. It was a good program, and we move on to the next program. Grace Marriage is an ongoing marriage ministry where you're like, couples, get involved with this. We have 56 couples involved in Grace Marriage. Now, not all of them stay. Sometimes they, they life gets in the way, and they kind of step aside, and then they kind of come back. But we tell them, listen, you, you should do this continuously. Five years worth. My wife, my wife and I missed one weekend. I wanted to miss more just because I'm lazy. She's like, we're not missing. We're not missing. We're not, it is true. I'm not telling a joke. It is true. I, there are times. So you can ask her. She's right back there. One time we missed. I, I think we were out of town or something was going on. So, um, and so we, we encourage couples. You 56 couples. How big is your church? We run 250 to 300 on a Sunday. We're not a ginormous, huge church. 56 couples. It's becoming an outreach program. It's changed. Our, it's changed. I, I told our Grace Marriage Director the other day, his name's Elliot. I said, Elliot, what you're doing has changed this entire church. 
from our children's ministry to our student ministry to people who are volunteering because we're investing in the marriage. So uh, as they've expanded Grace Marriage, they've created a weekly uh, made for 12 times a year, about 90 minutes, because some bigger churches, they want it to fit in their small group model. They say, we can't really do a quarterly. And so the idea there is you would take six weeks in the spring and six weeks in the fall and basically learn all the principles via a small group model. Now, personally, I'm a big fan of the quarterly because I've seen it work. I've not, I've not practiced this, but I know some are doing that. And then they've created what they call Grace Marriage at Home, where Grace Marriage at Home is all online. You can watch some videos. It'll guide you through. And the idea between that is, oh, I'm doing it quarterly, or if I just do the small group model, I still have help available to me and my wife. Again, we're going we're gonna to share some of this with you. So Now, the big question is what? How much does this cost? you got to be wondering, how much does this cost? What do you think it would be worth to have ongoing coaching in your marriage? What do you think it would be if you said, I, I do that on an annual, I have ongoing coaching. What do you think that would be worth to you? $19.95 a month. There's a guess. There you go. If you said an annual, ongoing, once a quarter coaching for four hours, you know how much marriage, marriage counseling costs? What marriage counseling in our city is about $150 per hour per session. And an hour with a counselor is only 50 minutes. What did you say? I 200 where you are. So what do you think what do you think someone should pay to have ongoing coaching? Make a guess. $19.95 a month was a good guess. Six hundred bucks a year, eight hundred bucks a year. What? How much? How much is it to charge a disciple somebody? Right. If you do grace marriage at home, someone says all I want to do is grace marriage at home. We met a military guy who's in the military, and he's not sure he can do this. We said, well, you should lean into grace marriage at home at least. Twelve ninety nine a month. That's like a subscription, packed with videos, assignments, things to do just you and your spouse. So you have ongoing coaching. It's great. I find it sometimes probably a little bit harder because I think it's harder for us to be disciplined. Like, come on, honey, we're going to sit down and watch this video. Well, I don't want to watch a video with you right now. You know, I want to watch sports or whatever. So it's a little bit harder. So there's accountability about coming together. It's both of us. That's a challenge. Grace Marriage Weekly is $99 a year per couple. So they pay 100 bucks to have 12 sessions working on their marriage learning the grace marriage principles. And grace marriage quarterly is only $200 a year. So four times four is 16, right? I'm a preacher. I got to do math slowly. Five minutes, time up. Okay. Uh, 16 hours worth of marriage coaching for $200 a year per couple. Here's a good thing. If you said, well, I want to implement this in my church at $200 a year, this comes with this. So any couple that signs up for the quarterly, they're going to get that with it. And so, so how does all that work? Well, that's where we can start to answer your questions. I think we've got to get intentional. Homes change. Marriage gets better. I just want to show you a couple people. Dr. Julie Slattery uh, in the marriage realm world says, Grace Marriage is an invaluable resource to both couples and churches providing practical tools to help marriages thrive. And Gary Thomas, again, another 
kind of professional in this world, I'm thankful for grace marriage. The health and vibrancy of our marriages largely determine the health of our congregation, our kids, and our culture. So if you want to disciple marriages in your church, you've got to have a plan and a strategy, and grace marriage has that plan and strategy for you. Five years now we've run the church. As long as I'm the pastor at Center Point Christian Church, we won't stop doing grace marriage. It will continue on and on and on because it's a plan. Uh, just quickly, they have all the support services you would need. How do I get it started? They will work with you. How do I get it started? How do I bring it to my church? What about materials? All that kind of stuff. Thanks so much again for joining us here at the Real Life Theology Podcast hosted by Renew. Make sure to tune in next week. We're going to have a lot more great content coming up just like this from our 2023 National Gathering in our podcast.